Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, it's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests, guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Pujols, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter, and we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy name. is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Chandro Tar, Sandy Clough on my left, Danny Bailey in the booth. It's your show, too. Thanks for tuning in. 303-831-1340 is the number. We're tackling just like we do every team every day here. We'll start with the Denver Broncos, who have now, uh, they're on a roll, Sandy. And out of their last couple of wins here. We're talking about some big-time teams that they've knocked off. And so now that we take a look at the idea of getting, and let's do it in order, getting back to 500 first and then considering making a playoff run, you have to start with getting back to 500. They can do that this Sunday night against the Minnesota Vikings, who are no pushovers. We're not going to sit here and tell you that, that it's easy. But we talked about this a bit yesterday. Over the next couple games, at least, let's even, you know, we could look down the road, but there weren't a lot of games you were going to look at left on the schedule that we thought at least initially were less winnable than the game they just won in Buffalo on Monday night. Minnesota has a terrific story and a backup quarterback with Joshua Dobbs is playing great. Today, we find out that Deshaun Watson has a fracture in his shoulder. He will miss the remainder of the season. So for the next two weeks, the Broncos will face teams in the Vikings and in the Browns, both at home, by the way, here in Denver, playing with backup quarterbacks. And that's never ideal for any team. Sometimes you have to get a little lucky. And for the Broncos right now, it seems as if some of that luck is breaking their way. I agree with that. Um, I also still wonder about the extent to which the Broncos have the kind of home field advantage that certainly we come to expect going back to well, 1977, the first season. So obviously not so worse much. than that. And I know the folks out at the Valley hate recitations of history, recent though it may be, <laughs> but the Broncos are four and four at home or worse in five of the past seven seasons. They have lost more than they have won at home three times during that same period. Home field advantage is not to be taken for granted with this team. Right. This is a team that lost at home to three dreadful teams earlier in the season. The Raiders on opening day. The following week, the Washington Commanders. And then the New York Jets, even worse in the month of October. They were on the verge of an 0-4 start at home until they beat Green Bay, and of course they followed that up with a Kansas City win, and on the road played their best game of the year. I think in many respects it was certainly Russell Wilson's best game. It was as good a defensive game as Denver has played. Um, Yeah, the five takeaways against Kansas City represented a, a great team, defensive effort, but I thought as the Broncos seek to establish a reputation for playing complimentary football, complimentary football was the name of the game the other night because at various points, the offense came through with improbable plays. Uh, 
special teams got a lift from Mims, uh, who may right now be the best punt returner in the NFL. And defensively, four takeaways is pretty close to five. <laughs> right. And in some ways more stunning because the quarterback wasn't sick on Monday night, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, and he was playing at home. Patrick Mahomes was sick on a very cold day here in Denver a few weeks ago when the Broncos won that game 24-9. to The Bills have had injuries going on for weeks. But are you, are you and implying? offensively, they're healthy. So what I'm saying is, I agree with you, they'll get backup quarterbacks over the next couple of weeks, and they will get a rookie who everybody <laughs> keeps waiting not necessarily crash, but come down to earth a little bit, but he doesn't seem not, to be coming down to earth. Least. So you get two backups and a rookie over the next three Hard, weeks. I mean, in theory, right. those games are winnable. But the Broncos in recent years have not operated according to conventional precepts. But, and uh, at the risk of parroting him, uh, that wasn't, Previous years weren't Sean Payton coach teams. I, I understand that, but Sean Payton was also the coach who started zero and three and one and five, which is worse than Nathaniel Hackett did a year ago. Yes, they seem to have picked it up, but again, as I've reminded uh, our listeners uh, for the past week, at least the Broncos have had three game winning streaks in some very bad seasons sure. recently, and Not I remember on each Chiefs and every and Bills, occasion. But- well, no, they haven't beaten the Bills. <laughs> right. They haven't beaten the Bills either uh, until the other night. I understand that. But they won three games in a row in Vance Joseph's last year. And less than a month later, he was fired. Mm-hmm. Not that Sean Payton is going to be fired. The Broncos could have gone 1-15 this year, and Sean Payton would not be fired. You don't fire a coach after letting the previous one go after 15 games, after even giving the coach before that three years just because you didn't have an owner. Otherwise, he'd have been going after two. Vance Joseph was going after two. Uh, Gary Kubiak, obviously, for very different reasons, retired. Uh, a voluntary move following the 2016 season. I'm saying that people have gotten excited before with three-game winning streaks, and they're immediately followed by disappointment. I take nothing for granted. Minnesota's looking at Denver and saying, this could be the easiest game of our five-game winning streak going on, they hope, six on Sunday night. They they could be looking at it, and that may not be a good thing, and saying, heck, we beat five teams in a row better than this one, a lot better than this one. And we've got it going defensively at least as much as they do. And we're, we're on our way to the play. We're a playoff team right now. They're in 14th place in their conference. So I'm I'm just saying to put some brakes on all the talk, which, again, I'll say it again, fans I talk to are much more inclined to look still with some degree of skepticism, having seen this play out before under different coaches who were supposed to be saving themselves. You and I were on the air Mm -hmm. when we had colleagues in a previous radio life insist all but guarantee that Vic Fangio would be back in 2022. Right. With or without new owners. And obviously, you were going to have new owners. That had already been established that the Broncos would have new owners Mm -hmm. by edict of the National Football League. There was no choice in the matter. And there were still people who insisted, oh, the new owners love Vic Fangio and they'll bring him back in 2022. Look, he's 3-0, which he was in his last coaching year. And they were on their way. Now, I will. you're smart enough to know, I'm not going to put one over on you, that the three teams they beat to start the 2021 season were the three worst teams in the uh, NFL. Yes, yes, quite literally the three worst Green teams in the Bay NFL. Green Bay is one of the worst teams in the NFL, but Kansas City and Buffalo assuredly are not. No, and it's funny. You and I must speak to some different fans because uh, the the – the, the, the Kool-Aid, I think, is uh, is being well and truly consumed by many of the Broncos faithful 
who believe that this this is it. It's turned around. You haven't beaten Kansas City in what feels like and those forever. People have said that before, and and, and, they and now you beat that. Buffalo. And, that and now, right? And I think I think that's that's the case. And there are reasons to to doubt this Broncos, and the reasons that I doubt the Broncos, oddly, despite the fact this is a team that gave up seventy points in a game this year, it is because of the offense that I doubt them. Not not the defense. Right I, now, I think the defense yes. is. I do not think, and I want to make this very clear, two very good games, nine turnovers in the last two games. That's tremendous. There's really, you know, 100%, no notes. I get it. At the same time, that's not going to happen every game. I think this is a has been playing like a good defense, not a great defense. Yeah, I would I, agree. I, I think this is now a top half defense as it stands today in, in the NFL. I don't know where you want to place it. I'll say they're in the yeah. top half. I, I I would say top half, and I, I'd be I'd be in that somewhat cautious, ten to sixteen in, range, in getting them too close to the top ten. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. They gave up well over seven yards per play the other night. Correct. That's not good. That's not good. Yeah, and, and when and you the when fact you dig that, deep, listen, the turnovers the, are. I'll, I'll give you the first fumble. I'll, I'll I'll give you the first fumble that was forced. Yeah, now, I mean that was a hard hit, sure, and it forced the fumble. Um. The other turnovers were some combination of sloppiness mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe <laughs> some uh, mindless quarterbacking play. Yeah, I mean, but there was some carelessness. the one interception certainly. he threw to Morrell, I mean, at the end of the half, what are you doing? Right. Careless, really, careless take, take it to the locker room up 12 to 8. Now, um, we'll be talking with uh, – uh, Dr. Rick Perea on Wellness Wednesday, our, mm-hmm. our, our new concept. Uh, this will happen at 530 uh, today. And uh, we will get into uh, some of the particulars of what is going on in Buffalo. And I think what we're seeing, I'll grant you this regarding Sean Payton and those fans you talk to who are convinced that, as Sean Payton himself felt, uh, after the Kansas City back, game, the baby. Broncos have turned it completely around. Uh, no doubt about it. I will give Sean Payton this. Most defensive coordinators in the NFL, after giving up 70 points, would have, within 24 hours, been fired. Yep. No matter uh, how long great, they had held the job. That is a great job. point. All right. Great point. Here's the advantage of having Sean Payton and fully empowering Sean Payton. That was purely Sean Payton's call. And he did and not Sean cave Payton into any sort not, of external pressure, did, did not, not care. And in fact, may have been more determined because as much as he refuses to admit He's not going to fire his DC after three games, that's his failure. He'd look bad. Okay. But he does listen. Oh. He does listen. And Oh yeah! If you know anything oh, about listens. Sean Payton, you know he that the he more fans scream for the head of any one of his coaches, especially in his first year at the helm, the more he'll dig in and say, "I'm not doing anything with that coach." Right? You're right. It would be a fl- reflection on Sean Payton who hired Vance mm-hmm. Joseph, but it would also be caving into public pressure and. For better or worse, not this his, coach not his deal. will never cave into public pressure. In fact, he'll go the other way. He'll dig in even harder. In Buffalo, Ken Dorsey was fired, according to those in the know in Buffalo, perhaps even over the objections of Sean McDermott because ownership and upper management runs the team in Buffalo. Sean McDermott is a very good coach, and the Bills have told Sean McDermott, you're the coach, and that's it. Yeah. You don't even have total control over your own coaching staff. We'll decide. And so ownership decided to scapegoat Ken Dorsey and fired him, not Sean McDermott. Following the game on Monday night, uh, ESPN – was hosting Sports Center, Scott Van Pelt hosting that, and brought Troy Aikman back in uh, from the stadium to talk a little bit about what it means for the Broncos and the idea that getting these wins in a row, getting the continuity, uh, being able to play together, 
how it can jumpstart a team. I thought the comments were rather interesting. What's your sense of how Denver was able to, to get the win at the end? Well, I think coming into this game, Scott, that Sean Payton, knowing that Buffalo has turned the ball over a lot and that Josh Allen's turned the ball over a lot, he anticipated that they would be able to create some takeaways. They had five two weeks ago against Kansas City. I don't think anybody comes into a game expecting to have the turnovers that they were able to get. But looking at it, the way that they have been able to kind of start playing better and watching Russell Wilson the way that that he played tonight. This this looks like the guy that we saw all those years in Seattle. And after last year, I think his confidence had to be rebuilt a little bit. And it was coming back. I think Sean Payton's had a lot to do with that. The way that he's called the game, the things that are comfortable for him. But the way that they've won the two prior games, this game here, I, I've been there as a team that's trying to find their way. A win like this, it was one thing to do it against Kansas City. It's another thing to do it on the road here. This is a game that can propel them to the heights that they hope to reach. Maybe not this year, but when we look back on whatever Denver becomes when the season's all said and done, this will be a big part, a big stepping stone in that. And I thought Russell Wilson played fantastic. You won't really see it on the stats so much. They'll say, ah, less than 200 yards passing. He made the plays that he had to make in order for this team to have a chance to win. That is a superb analysis. I have no beef with any of it. In fact, I wholeheartedly agree and would second virtually every point he made, uh, including the qualifier, maybe not this year. Aikman has become so good at what he does. And I think he's right on regarding Wilson. And I think, again, this is Sean Payton who does things a little differently. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe Sean Payton looked at Russell Wilson and said the way to rebuild his confidence is to go extraordinarily conservative from our goal line to the red zone. And then, little by little, we open things up. As we get into plus territory, maybe we throw it a little more, and then we get to the red zone, and we're not relying on low percentage pass plays. The pass protection doesn't need to be quite as good. There's less territory to cover. You're throwing it, getting it's rid not, of it. Yeah, more it's quickly. not as deep. You get and rid of it even, faster. Even at that point, carrying around 15 fewer pounds, Russell Wilson can move around well enough to buy time. We saw him do that in the red zone the other night, particularly on the play to Sutton, which I believe next-gen stats calculated at a 3.5% chance of succeeding. Lowest successful did, catch right. for a touchdown in their, their it, it, next-gen stats next era. Next-gen stats era. So I, I'm saying that he went about it a little differently, and his answer to restoring the confidence of Wilson was not to let him throw more and expose himself more and try to escape the pass rush more even as he was still getting sacked a high percentage of the time or pressured a high percentage of the time, the idea was that gradually you'd be able to incorporate other things in this offense, which would be low risk, and you'd take field goals. Let's, again, be clear. The Broncos scored how many touchdowns the other night in Buffalo? (laughs) Yeah. So – this isn't a high-falutin offense, right? Even with all those turnovers, they scored six points off the four turnovers. Yeah, they could have. They could have been up fourteen-zero in the first period, and that, it, it doesn't happen you know, that they, way. They, but, but I, I think he's right in that he didn't lose his head after zero and three and one and five, and he deserves credit for that. And he has, and he hasn't really. I, I give him credit for that, too, because he's been, Peyton has been, and Wilson, too. Wilson is Wilson. They've been the same guy. If the stresses were really bothering them, they didn't really let it show. No. They both stuck with the message is the message. They continued with the keep on keeping on vibe. And, and, and there were some tense moments, obviously. But the, but the point but, you made, I think, is fascinating because you, you brought it up last week prior, uh, prior to this game. The idea that the Broncos may actually trust Russell Wilson because in the red zone, this team barely runs. They, they more or less just they give, have one rushing touchdown. They, in they trust Russell Wilson to get them the touchdowns when they get into the red zone. That's quite a bit of a sense of trust, but it kind of makes sense working backwards. If you want to rebuild Russell Wilson's confidence, what's the first thing you do? Well, we'll, we'll go back and, and talk about the, uh, the seeing ghosts, right? And, and uh, 
course, Sam Donald got got a lot of uh, yeah. heat for that. But every every quarterback who was ever asked about it said, "Oh, I know exactly but, but, what he's but, talking but, about." But maybe that's the idea to start yeah. building Russell Wilson's confidence back up. It was try to get him hit less, try to put him at less pressure of getting smoked, one you know, hut hut sacked. And maybe that was step one. Let him breathe a little bit, and that maybe meant because our, the line is what it is to be more conservative. And, and I think that very quick point. Josh Allen, the other night, when there were cutaway shots, close-up shots, after mistakes or frustrating series or hearing boos, mm-hmm. which he did from the crowd, that offense was at one point booed off the field which hasn't happened in Buffalo in a very long time. And this is a team that I don't believe has gotten past the divisional playoffs in the, in the recent Josh so Allen, John McDermott yeah, era. Right. Okay? They, they've not been the same team in the playoffs that they've been recently during the regular season. Josh Allen looks spooked to me. I've never seen him look like that. I've seen him play a lot. I've never seen him look like that. And if you're looking at facial expressions and body language, Josh Allen looked like Russell Wilson did last year, and even at times this year. Russell Wilson looked like Josh Allen had looked in previous years. He looked confident. Yep. He was never rattled. He was never shaken. But last year he looked spooked. He was frustrated. Last year he looked spooked all And by the, the way, time. to their credit, back in 2020, but it's a role reversal. The, the Bills did go to KC and lose in, in that 38-24 game. So they've, they've been to the conference finals once with with Allen. But, the, the, but you're right. Was Otherwise, that the, the championship game? Uh yeah, the conference championship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And um, but otherwise, well, they had yes. it wrong. Troy Aikman, but Joe Buck uh, had it wrong the other night because they yeah. they never got past the divisional playoffs. So. No, they but did. There they was they the beat Baltimore that year, and then they went to yeah they went in to the Kansas divisional City. round. They beat Baltimore. They beat Baltimore, and then they went to KC. But but I get your point. Most of the time, it has been flameouts, despite should've. being the champion of the division week year in and they, year out. They, they had another game. Uh, you know, they've had games. Plural, but in the playoffs where they've been on the verge of victory and you know, found the, a way to lose, more, much as they did the other night. Maybe Sean Payton is playing the long game and deserving more credit yes. than uh, yes. than maybe and I think that's Trey some people, point, right? including you and me, may have let on. Well, maybe we'll be eating a little crow here. I think you can. I'd be happy to trade that for a better Denver Broncos team to cover. Wouldn't bother me. But if you want to open things up gradually, well, there's an opportunity to do it. He's um he's on the roster right now. We'll talk about him next on My Life Sports. Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Broke a couple of tackles, still going. The rookie so impressive in the return game. 31-yard return. Here's Mims. So dangerous, and he's got the sideline. He has really been something. Gives a speedster to the 35, to the 40. Looks for a block to the 45. Turns the corner, steps out of bounds into the Buffalo sideline. What a great return by Marvin Mims. There you go from the Denver Broncos uh, social media. Of course, yeah. Dave Logan on KOA. Of course, you're a little bit of Troy Aikman from Monday Night Football. Marvin Dave Mims. Named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week this week after his performance and in Buffalo. Uh, obviously, the offensive part, one carry for minus three yards, well, isn't going to get you any awards, but the uh, certainly the rest of it, the kick return for 31, yeah. two-part returns for 44, now averaging 20.7 per, which leads the league. Well, he's been great. But he's had a kickoff teams. return for a touchdown yeah. as well. That's right. That happened in Miami and what was otherwise... Uh, uh, a very but you, memorable but you don't day see a lot of big re- those reasons. long returns nowadays. You're not seeing no, a lot of returns no, for don't. touchdowns. You don't, and he has been great. Uh, everything 
they could have hoped for, everything they haven't had in the punt return game for many, many years now, since Darius Gordon, uh, uh, Darian Gordon, uh, since Glenn Milburn, perhaps in the early 1990s, uh, Rick Upchurch, to me, will You're always be the goal like part of Trendon Holiday, the non-fumbling part in there? Uh, yes, uh, Trendon Holiday, uh, when he wasn't fumbling, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah. that was the story of his whole career. He was with Houston and still he, until he started fumbling. Right. And then they had to get rid of him. He was with Denver until he started fumbling, yep. and then they had to get rid of him. But he also had, in an otherwise desultory performance against the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round of the 2012 playoffs, he had a kick return for a touchdown, and a punt return a for a touchdown. Right. And you don't lose many games when you have both going for Two you. special teams touchdowns? Two no. special teams touchdowns like that. The you same guy lose? returning a kick and a punt for a touchdown. You still lose. That's uh, But you're right to throw Holiday uh, in there because in terms of explosiveness, um, I thought he was the best the Broncos ever had, save for Upchurch. Uh, yeah. As a, as a but unreliable. But reliability matters. Ultimately, ultimately unreliable, although he was anything but unreliable in that particular uh, Baltimore game. And really, for a mm, couple years here in Denver, he was, he was pretty reliable. But then the fumbles began, and that was the story of his career. The fumbles always came along eventually. You just rode him until uh, he started fumbling. But I will say this, again, on Sean Payton's behalf. Sean Payton's getting more praise today in 30 minutes I think than, than he's gotten year, all yeah. year combined, at least on this program. Sean Payton put Marvin Mims out there more than he did Jerry Judy on mm-hmm. Monday. That is interesting. Marvin Mims played 69% of the offensive snaps. Jerry Judy played 65% of the offensive snaps. Other than linemen and the quarterback, Russell Wilson, only Cortland Sutton played more on offense than Marvin Mims did the other night. I know he wasn't targeted. I get that. Just I know he had the one carry for minus three yards on a play that, for some reason, the Broncos never seemed to be able to make work. But only Sutton played more. Sutton played 87% of the snaps. Then you drop down to Mims at 69%, Judy at 65%, Troutman at 64%, and... Javante Williams at 52%, along with Wilson and the linemen. Uh, those were the only players on offense above 50%. Uh, Man hurts 40%, P. Ryan 33%, uh, Kroll 27%, Humphrey 19%, Burton 16%, not a good game for Burton. McLaughlin, not a good game, 15%, got run over on a play that turned out to be a penalty play, yeah. so it didn't count, but he got run over by a blitzer on that play. Uh, Bailey, who comes in as an extra lineman, 8% of the snaps, uh, Sills 5%, and Wattenberg 4% when, uh, for whatever reason, they decided that they had had enough of Lloyd Cushenberry's three penalties in the ballgame the other mm-hmm. night. Yeah, it's hard to three penalties so by uh, Luke Wattenberg played a series, I believe. But it does feel like perhaps Marvin Mims, it, it kind of in lockstep with what you discussed in the first segment, Sandy, just a little bit ago. If the idea to protect Russell Wilson is to go really conservative and slowly open things up, because the truth of the matter is, as we've talked about, this is a team that clearly trusts Russell Wilson in the red zone. And if you're going to ask a team based on their play alone, do they trust a quarterback or not? That's where you're going to look. I mean, if you have someone between the 20s racking up at a whole bunch of yards and then by the time they get to the red zone, they're running the ball all the time. Well, they don't really trust their quarterback. The idea for most of this year is that Peyton doesn't trust Wilson, which is something that I've forwarded, that I believed. And I believed it, too. And I'm no longer sure. I I think it's conditional on field position. Yes. And where you are and what the score of the game is. I don't think that Sean Peyton questions Russell Wilson's decision-making. He questions his escapability. Yeah. And his his time to throw. And and, and I think he, he, yes. And he also... I, I think gets a little nervous when Russell Wilson reverts to past patterns and tries to save plays. Yes. And I think I he's agree been with that. coached not to do that. Uh, it, it's okay to throw the ball away. Now you say that he went 24 for 29 the other night. He wasn't throwing the ball away very much. No. And, and, and at least once he or twice when he was, of his passes. the passes ended up being <laughs> complete uh, completed. anyway. And, uh, you know, listen, the Broncos deserve some good fortune, don't they? Uh, I mean, yeah. it's been six or seven years of mostly bad luck when good things seem to be happening and all of a sudden uh, good things become bad things. 
at the snap of a finger. And the other night, there was just something about that game, a vibe you got, that somehow this was going to work out tonight. Even when it was 22 to 21, you're thinking, if if this were last year or, or even earlier this year, first month this year, let's say, you'd say, no way. They'll, they'll mess it up. They won't even get to try a field goal, much less try one and miss one before they get a second chance to make one from five yards closer in and convert. But one way or the other, you thought, you know, they got a shot. Yeah. And they deserve a shot. They do. Because they've been the better team. They've been the sounder team. They were the more effectively coached team the other night. I thought, and I said to a friend of mine uh, via text during the course of the game, before it got interesting, late, it was kind of a dull game, was it not? For the better part of three quarters. It it got more interesting at the end, but it was was, dull. And I think the announcers, right. And, And my statement was, you've got one team playing not to lose, and the other team doing everything it can to lose the game. (laughs) And so you have one talented team that's badly out of form, at least on offense. And then you have a team that even after turnovers, when for lack of a better term, conventional wisdom says you go deep, right? Right. While they're shaking after the turnover first play, you go deep. The Broncos never do that. No. Never. Not anymore. They run the ball up the middle. Yep. It's and that that's the challenge. The the Broncos have been look, we've talked about it before. But the one thing you don't want to be in sports is bad and boring, which is what the Broncos have been for the last few years. Bad and boring. Yes. Correct. I will argue they are still kind of boring. But not as bad. Yeah. And so Okay, you know, well, I can go the other way and say, at least in the last three games, the last month, they haven't been as bad, but at times they've been just as boring. Yeah. So I, I think there is a mix. And again, it's uh, are the Broncos the worst good team now in the NFL mm-hmm. or are they the best of a bad collection of teams? And maybe they're on that fourth tier still. In Again, in all the rankings, whether they're subjective or based on metrics, DVOA, uh, football power index, ESPN, uh, expected points added, whatever you want to look at, they're in that fourth quadrant. If you break the league down eight by eight by eight by eight, they're in the bottom tier. But as opposed to being at the bottom of the bottom tier, where they were prior to the Green Bay game, they are now the best of the tier four teams, so to speak, or second best. And that is reflected uh, this week in the DVOA rankings. Of the eight worst teams in the league, only Washington is ahead of Denver in overall DVOA. And Washington is 22nd on offense, 30th on defense, and 17th on special teams. The Broncos, yes, because of that Miami game, will remain, and they are in scoring defense still, the worst defensive team in the league, but that is not how they're playing, as we all know. The offense is middle of the pack, roughly where they should be, 17th. I think probably... They're playing a little bit better than that. But the special teams all year have been top five. All year. And Marvin Mims has a lot to do with it. And Lutz, outside of the uh, reprieve he got the other night, has since Boy, opening day been perfect on field goals. Well, it's your program as well. Like we said, call or text to 303-831-1340. Danny Bailey's in the booth taking a look at all those. And, Danny, you picked one out? Yeah, I got one right here for you guys. We are paying Wilson like a top five QB. Uh, Many people have said that Sean Payton would try to move on from Russell Wilson. So, stay or go? 
Well, too early to tell right now. It's too early to tell. Uh, His salary is guaranteed. Already guaranteed for next year. year. It is really hard to get out of it after this year. It is. Uh, It would be wildly expensive. After next year, a different story. That's so expensive. And I think that's partly what you're seeing here because if the Broncos, by the way, if they win, they're five and five. So you can stop with this. Caleb Williams, Drake May nonsense. They're not going to well, be anywhere near. Be, and even now. Even even, even those now. very top quarterbacks, they're not going to be anywhere I, near. I don't think they're in the top 10 now. They wouldn't, anymore. They wouldn't be anymore. They would, not be, they would not You're be in the middle of the first 10. round so now. They're not, not going to get You're not gonna get the, the immediate guys, high replacement. The two guys are going to come out pretty much for sure are Caleb Williams and Drake May. Yeah, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Right. And all the other ones. You don't know, you know yet. You don't know. Uh, uh, Shador Sanders, you sort of know. He's and staying. the answer is he's staying at he's CU staying. in 2024. Yeah. It makes no sense for him to come out. No, it does not. All right. So, in other words, right. I think I think they are investing. That you know, I think we go back to what Troy Aikman said. They are investing yeah. this time, and I think even Sean Payton understands he'd like to get this team going in the right direction. I think Sean, look, Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are not idiots. They know this team is not winning the Super Bowl. They also knew this team wasn't winning the Super Bowl in the entire offseason. But if they are seeing progress, if they are right. building, if what Sandy's suggesting is true, and it sure appears to be, given what we're seeing, the idea that uh, you, you've gotten Russell Wilson's confidence here. If you haven't gotten it all the way back, you're getting it back. He's performing. He has the second most touchdowns in the league. He has the second fewest interceptions of anyone who's thrown more than 110 passes in the league. Hard to argue with any of that. Uh, the passer rating, which has less value than it used to be, but it's through the roof. Yeah, I, I, I think that they are investing on trying to get this going and, and hit the ground running for next year with something the Broncos haven't had, whether it's coaching staff, players, everything. Continuity. Exactly. exactly. And, and without continuity, it's really difficult to build anything in the NFL. Even when you have a league where about a third of that roster turns over with free agency and otherwise, but continuity for your starters, continuity for your coaches, it's really important. And the Broncos haven't had it since they won Super Bowl 50. Let me give you, again, the teams below Denver in DVOA this week. And they're clearly better than all these teams at, right now on present day form. Atlanta, Chicago, the Raiders, Arizona, Carolina, and the Giants, right? No dispute there. They're better than Washington is right now, right? No, yeah. Better now. I mean, right. they lost right head now. to head, I, so I you can only say they're so much. Now. But yeah, They're better now. They're better than New England now. They're better than the Rams are right now. They're better than Green Bay right now. Um, I know they lost to the Jets, but that's like Washington. Um, the Jets have a great defense and excellent special teams, but they're horrific on offense. And in this day and age, if you've got one of the three, four, five worst offenses in the league, there's no way you're anywhere near the playoffs. Tennessee, I'd say the Broncos are in better form. Uh, Tampa Bay... New Orleans, Indianapolis, eh, maybe not absolutely clear. My point being that once you get to Seattle, Indy, New Orleans, I know Seattle's 6-3, and but it's a little misleading because they don't have a top-10 offense. They certainly don't have a top-10 defense, and they don't have top-10 special teams. Um, Once you get into that area, that's the middle of the league. There was a time at one and five in which, without dispute, the Broncos were the worst team in the National Football League. Without dispute, even though there were other teams that were, I think so. Those uh, first, those first two winning weeks, winning as infrequently as Denver was, yeah. they were the worst. First two weeks, you can make so that argument. Let's as as we do with CU. Last year, worst team in FBS. This year. What, average, slightly above Jumped average, all the way into the middle? 62, 63, that's according to athletic ratings. Big one-year leap. Okay, that's that's great. Let's, within the space of a month's time, essentially, maybe a little, we'll talk about five weeks since we got to throw the bye week in there, if we're talking about time. They have gone from being undisputable, indisputable, the worst team in the NFL to being probably kind of bottom 10-ish, but dangerous enough to be a middle of the road or at times slightly above average team in this league this year where you have, I would say, 10 teams 
that you kind of sort of know will be in the playoffs. Beyond that, you got Houston, you got Pittsburgh, you got the Chargers, the Vikings, the Bengals, the Seahawks. None of them surefire playoff teams in anybody's league. And as long as you're in the middle of the league, you have a puncher's chance in virtually any game. We'll find out more. We'll talk more about that as well. But uh, a team that we know is in the top part of the league, the Denver Nuggets, were in action last night. We'll talk about them next on My Life Sports. Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Gordon's got it. Knocks out on the break. Gordon gives it to KCP. Back to Gordon. No hesitation. Gordon's got it. There it goes. Gordon lowers the boom on the LA Clippers. Timeout. LA. Boy, a nice cut there. And good shot selection from the Nuggets in transition. Eric Gordon cleared for takeoff on that one. And then Kawhi says, you take it. Reference <laughs> at altitude. Of course, Chris Barlow, Scott Easton's Kitty Widgey on the call. Uh, Aaron Gordon, we'll go over all of it. Aaron Gordon did have a good game. The, the advantage, and we'll break down, of course, why that is, because uh, as the too small move, uh, the taunt is going around the NBA. The Clippers are too small. And when you have Kawhi Leonard having to guard Nikola And they're too Jokic, slow and they're too old. And uh, then that leaves Paul George potentially having to guard Aaron Gordon in the paint. Uh, you get what you heard right there. Not a great matchup. The Clippers, Nuggets although, get it done. Even though they had to come back late, they did get it done. 111-108 Clippers still have to, yet to win a road game or a win with James Harden. The the Clippers are owned by, as far as I can tell, the richest man in major professional sports in Bowman, right? He's even richer than our friends here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah. Right. He has crazy okay. money. For all the crazy money in the world, they have one healthy big, and that's Zubas. Now, I know Plumlee's hurt, and I know there are reports that uh, – there may be a few other candidates that they might bring in just to back up. Uh, so they have some size. But the TNT guys, both Harlan and Reggie Miller, uh, the guys in the studio, Ernie Johnson, Shaq, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, they were all over it all night long. Barkley, as usual, particularly emphatic on the point. There was no way the Clippers could win the basketball game because – they had no size to combat the Nuggets. They're also slow. They're also old. They've lost five straight games in Denver. They have no road wins this year. They have no wins with James Harden in the lineup. They had no points in the paint in the second quarter. You talk about a team with no size. The Nuggets outscored them in the paint in the second quarter, 16 to nothing. The Clippers, can you believe this, were 17 of 38 in the paint last night. Wow. You missed 21 out of 38 shots in the paint. And you were curious about that ownership part, by the way. Steve Ballmer worth, according to USA Today this fall, about $90 billion. Uh, Rob Walton, the second richest owner, of yeah. course, in all of oh, yeah. American yeah. sports, worth about $55 billion. So that is a, that's a gap. $35 billion more. And then the next owner, uh, by the way, that that is in there, is that's the difference between... Walton and anybody else. So, I mean, Ballmer is ludicrous. He is not the richest owner in all sports in the world. 
However, that goes to Mukesh Ambani, okay. who owns the Mumbai Indians in the Indian Premier in North American League major of cricket. Professional yes, he's worth he's worth a little, a little smidge little more. more but right. yes, it it is Balmer, and then a huge gap, and then Rob Walton, and then a huge gap. The and last everyone else. six minutes of the game, the Nuggets outscored the Clippers nineteen to nine. Yep. As I say, even when the Nuggets were down, by the way, had to rally in the fourth. The quarter. same offensive set five times no, I, in a row I, with baskets every time. I, I understand. 19-9 to nine in the last six minutes, and you could see it coming a mile away. The Clippers could, too. James Harden is put back into the basketball game with five minutes, 20 seconds left. You know how many field goals they had the rest of the game, the Clippers? That would be two. That would be two field goals in the final five minutes, 20 seconds of the basketball game, and they had nine points in the last six minutes. Uh, it, there was no way they could win that game. The Clippers may or may not be one of the worst five teams in the NBA. They are without question one of the worst ten teams in the NBA at the present time. And the guys you like the most on their team are Mann, Powell, and Tucker, the three guys who come off the bench and have to play major minutes. I like Mann as a player, but he had no points last night in 28 minutes. Uh, Powell and Tucker were very good. Tucker was the only one who even began to bother Jokic even a little bit. Zubats picked it up some in the second half, but only played 26 minutes and uh, looked like he was ready to punch out Tyron Lue after the game. The, he left the court because he had a good second half and they wouldn't play him. You know who might be next to uh, get ready for that would be, of course, one Bones Highland who didn't play as well. According to Chris Haynes at, at Bleacher Report, after Harden was acquired, Lou explained to Bones that he yes. wouldn't be in the rotation for the foreseeable future. That means forever. As long as Harden Highland told uh, Haynes he communicated with, with me, and that's all you can ask for. It can be frustrating. I'm going to stay ready. I want to play, but I'll try to keep things in perspective. If only Bones Highland could grow about 10 inches, <laughs> then uh, he'd, he'd get 30 get minutes a game. But, I mean, the uh, it just kind of kind of uh, amazing to to see that. And, and even when you kind of look at it, sort of funny, you even looked at it last night, and... Highland is on the bench, and James Harden's trying to. James Harden apparently is, has been told, at least by the broadcast team at, on TNT, uh, start telling, start coaching up the team on the bench to how. Apparently, well, James, James Harden, Harden plays. If nothing else, is a superior politician, and James Harden knows it's his. Harden was to buddy up yeah. to Bones Highland. As soon as he lands on a team, he's, but the funny thing is, he's trying to talk about this to Highland, and Highland, you could tell, could not be paying any less attention to what James Harden no, was saying. No, no, but he's trying, I'm saying Harden, the politician, is trying to be, as Tyron Lou said the other day, polite. And, and be like, hey, sorry, I'm the reason you don't play anymore. Bones Highland, because after all, he's James Harden, and he is not a systems player. Uh, You'll remember he, he is, is the, system. the system, and that is kind of how it looks. Uh, his system was minus twenty three, thirty <laughs> uh, minus three, minus three in thirty five minutes, minutes uh, seven for fifteen shooting. Which actually, actually it was his best game as a Clipper last could, night. And they still lost. Funny thing was, he was the only. He was. He wasn't all that far off. You know, George took twenty six shots and at fifty percent. Kawhi was five for fourteen. Westbrook was four for twelve. Yeah. Uh, the Clippers are bad, and they made themselves worse. Well, did it's you, just that did you simple. Listen to the and you know what? Here's the crazy part, Sandy. They're all healthy. I know that on the broadcast, well, Reggie Miller was trying to make it sound good and be like, see, they'll be able to finish games with four different guys no, no, who no, can no, finish. No, yeah, no, the problem is no, only one guy no, can finish, and no, who's going to get it? No, no. It's a mess. No, it, that That's wrong. And Barkley said, I disagree with Reggie Miller on, on the postgame, because on TNT, you're allowed to disagree with colleagues. Correct. And vehemently disagree with them. And there, there's no resentment. Barkley and Miller are contemporaries. Uh, you know, I don't know what their relationship is, but I think two guys who had really good careers respect. that never won a ring. Professional respect exists there, but they didn't. They fa- didn't fail to win a ring because they weren't good enough. They Correct. just weren't on teams that were quite. They didn't happen good to enough. win a ring. Uh, would be more they fair. Didn't happen yes. to be a ring. Uh, Hall of Famers and every Certainly, sport. Yeah, guys absolutely. never won rings. Ted Williams never won a World Dan Marino. Series. Yeah, uh, he was it. only in one. Dan Marino was in one Super Bowl. Uh, Dolphins lost. He never got back. Yeah, I'm not banging on Barkley and Miller. Listen, I get it. They know what they're talking about. My point is this. Barkley and Smith and Shaq all basically said Westbrook is who he is. Harden is who he is. 
George and Leonard are frail and injury prone. It isn't going to change. And Kenny Smith put the onus on Tyron Lue and said, basically, that's Tyron Lue's job is to figure out this mismatched set of pieces and put it together. Tyron Lue, I believe, is a very good coach. But this is an impossible puzzle to solve. There may be more time to uh, to talk about it tomorrow as well. But, I mean, Reggie Jackson, you, you and I were talking about the break. We thought Reggie Jackson was the most important player on the court for the Nuggets. I did. I think we I, need, I you know, you maybe did. tomorrow there'll be an opportunity to break him down a little bit more because Jackson has, has uh, made the absence of Murray so much more palatable. It's not even funny. Nikola Jokic, by the way, ho-hum, uh, 32 points, 16 boards, 9 assists. By the way, a 14 for 14 from the free throw stripe for Jokic, getting to and making the highest rate of free throws in his career. We'll turn our attention briefly up to Boulder, where CU may be facing their last winnable game. We'll take a look at what Coach Prime and the Buffs have cooked up next on Miley Sports. Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, it's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests. Guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Pujols, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter, and we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy name. 